Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach, Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. Write this down if you're taking notes. This is this first couple of minutes is going to be summary, just to remind yourself of what we started with. And the most important thing that we've talked about is fi- fi- uh, feelings are fickle. Okay, feelings change. Um, they are deceitful. They're unstable. We can't trust our feelings. And I said in the very beginning that we can feel a certain way about something over a 30-day period. We can feel a thousand and one different ways about it. We can change our mind and change our mind and feel different and feel different. Unfortunately, what I'm hitting at in this series is that a lot of times our walk with God it is it moves like that. We're, our mood changes with our circumstances and our situations. And, and when things are going really good and, and, and money's in the bank and there's no problems and the family's happy and there's no attacks, then we're all gung-ho for Jesus and we love him and we're so happy and we're so thankful. But when some str- struggle begins to come or some bad news happens or some circumstances change and maybe the money's not in the bank and you lose your job or you get in an accident or you have a horrible tragedy happen, then your faith can be shook because your faith was not based on faith. Your faith was based on feelings. And that's why it's so important to understand tonight that Jesus, no matter what goes on in this world, is still on the throne. No matter what this world looks like, no matter what your situation is, God doesn't change. He's alive, he's king, he's master, he's on the throne, he loves us, he's got a plan for us, and that never changes no matter how we feel. If you get here tonight and you, and you, and you just pour out your heart and cry and get on your knees and lift your hands and have the most ex- amazing worship experience you've ever had, that doesn't change who Jesus is. Or if you get here and you stick your fist up in the air and you say, God, I'm so mad at you, I don't understand, it doesn't change who God is. And so we have to understand we're the ones that change. And a strong, mature Christian is somebody who is not moved by those things. I talked about how emotions are probably the believer's number one enemy. And we talked about how you say, well, I thought the... I thought the devil was our number one enemy. Well, he moves through our emotions and through our feelings. And he is the true enemy, but he uses our emotions to deceive us. And many times we don't recognize what he's doing. I actually want to put a quick little uh, a nudge in here, I guess, or, or, or uh, a challenge to you to watch something that I had heard about and knew about, but finally got a chance to actually watch it. And... Um, it's obviously you have to have discretion with your kids, but it's a, it's a perfect picture of what's going on in our world today and the satanic move that's happening in many things, and it's 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 called nefarious. If you haven't seen that, I would ch- I would I would I would I believe every Christian should see that movie. I did not know it was made by the people that made God's Not Dead, so now I like it even more. Um, but it basically depicts, I'm not going to give the whole movie away, but it depicts a person who's in prison who's being evaluated by an atheist who has demons and is on death row. And when you watch that movie, you will see why I tell you all the time to be careful what you watch, what you listen to, and the doors that you allow to open into your life. 
And one of the biggest doors we can open into our lives is feelings and emotions. When you base your faith, when you base your love and your devotion uh, to Jesus on how you feel. So please understand that. It, it does cost, I think, $20 to rent it. You can wait. You can get it together with some families and watch it together, whatever you want to do. But it's worth it. It will give you a, a, perspe- a, a, a better perspective on how Satan works. And here's one last thing for, for, for the summary. And this is very important. Victory. How many want to walk in victory? Okay, it's impossible to be victorious if you don't learn how to live beyond your feelings. Impossible. You, you'll never make it, and you'll fail. And, and you need to, I say this all the time too, you need to find somebody or somebodies in your life that you see that has some longevity in their life and has been living for the Lord for a long time and notice their lives and watch their consistency and watch their commitment. And I promise you, if you talk to them and ask them, what it, what is it that helps you make it? One of the things they're going to tell you is, I understand that my faith cannot be based on how I feel. Amen? There's some people in here tonight. How many here have been saved more than 10 years? Lift your hands. Saved more than 10 years, okay? Now keep them up because they're going to go up. How many have been saved more than 20 years? More than 30 years. That's me. I'm right at 30 years. Okay, look at all the hands that are still up. 35 years. 40 years. So we got several people that all the way up to 40 years. 45 years. Look at all these hands still. 50 years. Look who's, look who's left. That's why we need, amen, let's give them a hand tonight, amen. Four people. Two married couples who have been married over 50 years each. And I promise you, if you talk to them, their recipe is you can't base your faith on how you feel. Am I right tonight? We didn't talk about this or anything, but they're just here visiting, and they, they, they're just catching this at the end of the series. But I'm telling you, you, you have to get this right, because today there's a whole bunch of people who were at one point sitting in these chairs, and tonight they're not living for the Lord because their feelings got the best of them. You have to get your feelings under control. We must learn, here, listen to this, we must learn to do what is right, okay? We always need to do what's right, but especially when we don't feel like it. Especially when we don't feel like it. That is where, where you really win the battle when you just say, you know what, I, I, I feel like doing the exact opposite right now, but I'm going to do the right thing, regardless of how I feel. That will help your marriages, It'll help you with your kids. It'll help you with your job. Amen? So now, that was a summary. Let's get into tonight. I want to talk about a word tonight that I want to make this the last part, and this is the glue that will hold it all together. And this is a key, and, and coming off of Sunday, I hope you appreciated Sunday's message. I believe every pulpit in the United States should be preaching what I preached on Sunday. I don't know if they're afraid. I don't know if they don't want to talk about it, but it's necessary. And uh, we're, we're not going to act like it's not happening. We're going to talk about it. And so the word was pride. And so what is the opposite of pride? Humility. So I want to talk tonight specifically about the word humility. And I want you to understand that if you can humble yourself and walk in humility, you will 99.9% of the time, like Lysol, be victorious over your feelings. When you are in any way walking in pride, you're in trouble. 
in any way at all. Pride is something we have to consistently and constantly fight against. And we, as we noticed on Sunday, the word says pride comes before a fall. So in other words, if you don't deal with pride, you will eventually fall. That's, that's not a question of, of if, it's when. If you're prideful and pride does not be dealt with, you will fall. Hopefully you won't fall really, really bad as some people are. And, and church, I know and believe scripturally our nation is falling and has fell and is, is the wrath of God is coming on this country because there's no repentance, there's no turning away from it. And I'm talking in general, not talking about us. The fall is going to come. Okay? When you begin to glorify pride in any way, and that just takes it to another level, but if, if this last month would have just been people just, just being pride, we're just prideful, we're just prideful, we're just prideful, that's bad enough as it is. Not even talking about what they're proud about. Pride itself would be wrong. Me and Carla were blown away Sunday night as we got home uh, from church that night and turned the TV on, actually, I think, to watch this movie and find it and saw that all day long Sunday, if anybody else noticed this, they were uh, parades all over the United States. They took an entire day to cover all the parades around the United States. They've never, on a Sunday, they've never done that before. So the, the fall is coming. But how many know we don't have to be in that fall? We need to humble ourselves. Amen? Humble ourselves before the Lord. Humility is attractive to Jesus. So here's the thing. How many of you, don't raise your hand yet, but how, because you want me to finish, how many have ever woke up in the morning, yawned and stretched and said, wow, man, I'm, I'm feeling so humble right now. Anybody ever, I, I don't believe there's one person in here that is just, that's, that's the first thing, that, I just feel so humble right now. Right? Not humbled, because you can be humbled, but to wake up and just stretch and say, oh, I just feel humble. Humble's not a feeling. Humble is not a good feeling, actually. It's, just, it's a decision. Humility is a decision. And so this whole series has been that I have to take my thoughts and my emotions, and I have to get them under control by the power of the Holy Spirit, and I have to make a decision to be humble. I have to be proactive and be thinking about it all day long. Am I being boisterous in any way? Am I, am I, am I uh, thinking higher of myself than I should in any way? And it's a constant thing. In James 4.10, I've got just three sets of scriptures tonight. James 4.10 says, humble yourselves. Notice he does not say, I will humble you. Or if you want me to help you, I'll humble, you with, with, humble with you. He says, humble yourself. We have to do that ourselves. He, he doesn't want to humble us. He can. Don't ever, as you've heard me say many times, make the mistake of saying, Lord, humble me. Don't ever let those words slip out of your mouth. And if they do, take them back real fast. Say, I did not mean that, Lord. Amen? God says, humble yourself. The, the, the thing is, if we don't humble ourselves, then we will be humbled. So it's much better to humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He will lift you up. Much rather, as I said Sunday, be hated by men and loved by God than vice versa. I don't, I, we, the, the, we don't need men's approval. We need God's approval. Amen? 
So it's something that we do, not something that we feel. Now I want to go to a set of scriptures in Mark chapter 8, if you've got your Bibles. How many got your Bibles tonight? Let me see your Bibles. Lift them up. Shame the devil. Amen. As you, have, as you keep them lifted up for a second, keep them lifted up for a second. Let me get mine here. If you, if you read the Bible today, I do this on discipleship sometimes. I put people on blast. Besides the verse that I sent out, keep your Bible up. Look at that. Praise God. That's good. Amen. You can put them down. If you didn't, maybe you missed a day. Don't let too many days go by without reading your word. Getting in the Bible. That's like food. It's spiritual food. Amen. And so in Mark chapter 8, I'm going to show you a set of scriptures, and this might not make any sense about what I'm talking about when I first start here. When I'm going to read a story of a healing, and it says, He came to Bethsaida, it's Jesus, and they brought him a blind man, and they begged him to touch him. So he took the blind man by the hand, and he led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands on him, he said, do you see anything? And he looked up. And this is one of my favorite uh, verses to quote when I'm praying for people because I've had to do this before, praying for a miracle, praying for healing. He said, what do you see? And remember, this man was blind. So he didn't see anything. And he said, I see men like trees. So in other words, he had a partial healing. Now, if you've ever seen us pray for more than one person, I'm just throwing this in as a nugget on Wednesday night, for more than one time for a person, Jesus himself prayed twice. So that, if that tells you anything. Well, it wasn't Jesus' power, obviously, that was lacking. It was that man's faith. But he says, I see men like trees walking so he could see figures but not see totally. Then it says he put his hands on his eyes again made him look up, and he was restored and saw everyone clearly. Amen. What a beautiful miracle. You might think, what does that have to do with humility? What does that have to do with feelings? We're going to get there. Then he sends him away to his house and says, neither go into the town nor tell anyone in the town. Has anybody ever wondered, just leave that for a second, just throw this in as a nugget too. Has anybody ever wondered why Jesus would always tell people that? Well, part of it is humility. Part of it is he, it, there was, it was a spirit of humility. But the bigger part was he had a, a purpose on the earth, and he had things he had to do, and he didn't want the word to get too far ahead of him where he was had, you know, having people wanting to kill him. They already wanted to kill him, but even more so before he could get the work done. So he was trying to keep it on the hush-hush. And also there may even be a third thing that might be reverse psychology. Whenever you tell someone not to do something, what do they do? Amen. My wife, my mom told me, don't go to Costa Rica and get married. So what did I do? I went to Costa Rica and got married. Amen. Now, Jesus and his disciples, this is where I want to get to, went out of the town of Caesarea, Philippi. And on the road, he asked his disciples. Now, as we're getting to this point, I want you to think of the emotions that could be going through Peter and James and John and the disciples as they see these miracles over and over again. Miracle after miracle, right? That, that's got to do something to not only your faith, but your emotions. And so they're excited. They're pumped up. They just saw this man uh, 
healed of blind eyes, and they saw God do something very creative in the sense of spitting on mud and all those different things. And so there's a lot of emotions going around. And all of a sudden, through, through that miracle, Jesus stops and says, and I want you to leave it right here for a second. Don't move to the next verse yet because this is key. Jesus stops and says, who are people saying that I am? This is, so, this is key to our walk tonight. So it's very important that you understand who Jesus is to you. Who he really is to you. Is he a religious public figure? Is he someone you call on when you're in need? Is he someone that you know is this higher power? Is what, what, who is he to you? And you will find out who he is to you when your feelings are attacked. When hell breaks loose. When things aren't going like you want them to go, need them to go, plan them to go, things are not in the right way, right direction, there's a testing inside of you to see who Jesus is to you at that moment. Because it's obvious that Jesus is Lord and Master and awesome and great and wonderful and victorious and powerful when everything's good. That's a given. Nobody is going to say they love Jesus and then have a miracle or have a blessing or have a breakthrough and go, oh, man, that's, that's a bummer. I mean, it's obvious you're going to be on a high, you're going to be excited, but the true test of who Jesus is is after you see a miracle or after you see a struggle. And Jesus says, now, who are the people saying that I am? And Peter, as you know this in the scriptures, has a revelation that we all need to have. Let's read this. It says, you, Peter answers, are the Christ. You are the Christ. Notice he did not say you're a healer. You're a deliverer. He said you're the Christ, the anointed one. Okay? Now, as we stop right here for a second, again, I'm hitting something here. I want you to understand. I'm going to look at my notes here. When it says, who is Jesus to you? When there's no apparent move of God in your life, who is Jesus to you? When you don't feel anything, like no feelings, one way or the other, who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to you when you're in the middle of a depression, a battle with depression? Who is Jesus to you when you are feeling Lonely. Who is Jesus to you when you feel abandoned? These are all emotions and feelings. The point is, Jesus and who he is should not change. Are y'all following me on that? It should never change. That's where God wants us to get to. And when we get to the, to the following verses, it's going to make sense because this is what Jesus asks of us. And you'll get some verses and you'll go, oh, that's what that means because a lot of people don't understand it. So he says, you are the Christ. Let's keep going. And, he, and, then, he's, and then in another verse he says, the son of the living God. Okay. Now real quick, let me see something here. 
in a, this isn't the verse, but in, a, in, in the other verses, because remember, it's all the Gospels. He says, this hasn't been revealed to you by flesh, but by the Spirit of God. Okay? And that's when we know we're truly born again, when, when the Spirit of God transforms us. Not, not a religious walk with God because of who we're around or, or different things like that, but who Jesus is in our life in the difficult situations. So he's, he warns them again and says, don't tell anybody about me, and let's keep reading. Now, then he begins to teach. Now, this is where the rubber meets the road right here. And he tells them, the Son of Man must suffer many things. Notice that he goes from healing a guy to this place where he begins to say, this is what, the, this is what Christianity is really about. This, this man, son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed. Leave it there for a second. And after three days rise again, what do you think began to happen to Peter's thinking as he had said, you're the Christ? Why? Because he had just seen a miracle. He had just seen a miracle, so he was on a high. You're the Christ. You're, the, you're awesome. You're, you're the man. You're the one. And then he says, but I'm going to go suffer. I need to die. I'm going to go to the cross. I, I'm gonna, then I'm going to rise again. Let's keep reading. And he spoke this word openly. Watch this. And then Peter took Jesus aside. Some of you don't know this isn't the Bible. You can't teach this. This stupidity comes only by natural means. Can you imagine trying to rebuke Jesus? By the way, I'm just, I'm just riding this wave. Did y'all see the shirt that a man was wearing on social media with the unicorn and all the colors and says, not today, Jesus. I'm telling you, it's getting bolder and bolder and bolder. Not today, Jesus. Hmm. So this man has the boldness, Peter, to rebuke Jesus. Okay, y'all with me? There's some feelings here. And when he had turned around and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter back and said, get behind me, Satan. For you are not mindful. Now leave this up, this part right here. You are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Now, the question we have to ask ourselves, church, on a Wednesday night as disciples of Christ is that every moment during the day in our walk on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, no matter what the situation is we're facing, which one are we? Are we mindful of the things of God or are we mindful of the things of men? Because our feelings will vary. Right? How many are with me? Anybody riding this, riding this wave with me? This, we're, on the, we're on the truth boat tonight. This is all of us. And all of us at some point are going to do stupid things like Peter did and make dumb mistakes and get in our feelings. But we don't want to stay there long because it's not fun to get rebuked by the Lord. Amen? So this, this I'm showing you all this because this, this is where where Christianity is really at. 
Go ahead and take the verse down for a second. I'll put that back up. When I say put it back up, go right there, please, Joy, to that verse in a second. This, this is where, like I just said a few minutes ago, the rubber meets the road. A lot of people come to Jesus. I'll never forget this mechanic in Costa Rica. I was still, you know, being discipled myself and learning the things of God. I'm on the mission field. I'm growing. I'm maturing. I'm in my 20s. And this guy was in his 40s, and he was a great, strong Christian man. He was a mechanic, and he was a good mechanic. I always say, if you find a good mechanic, marry him because they're hard to find. Don't lose that mechanic. They're tough, right, to find a good, honest mechanic. But he would, we would start talking about God, and, and he had a church he went to, and we went to different churches, but he was a strong believer. And he would always say, are they coming for the fish or are they coming for the loaves? He would always talk about, why are people coming to Jesus? And vienen por los panes o vienen por los peces, is what he would always say. And the truth is, Many of us tonight, maybe even here, and this needs to change, have come to Jesus out of an attraction to a miracle or something neat that's happened or an invite that's caused us to say, man, that's, that looks like a good life. And we haven't truly been born again yet. We haven't truly understood what it is to be a Christian. Hello? Hello? Because it's not based on feelings. I wonder, I wonder how, and we're going to get this the time. i got to speed up a little bit. I can just already tell. I just wonder what those martyrs felt like, what their feelings were as they were killed for their faith in Jesus. And Jesus, this is the thing I want us to understand. You know what? Most of us, thank God, most likely are not going to die martyrs' deaths. Because that could change very quickly in our nation, especially the way we're going. But I'm just saying that doesn't happen a lot here in the United States. But all the disciples died martyrs' deaths. And Jesus told them, this is going to be a tough road. Jesus never painted a picture like it seems the church today is painting. That everything's easy. Once you get saved, it's perfect, and you'll never have a problem again. And listen, we got people in this place today, this week, that have had all kinds of horrible news, all kinds of accidents, all kinds of bad things happen. Bad things. I could name them. I don't need to name them. Just this week. And guess what? They would have happened with or without God. Because the rain falls on the just and the unjust. But God is looking for some people, Jesus is looking for some people who will serve him, not because of what they can get, but because of who he is. Just simply because of who he is. Many, many, many people come because of the miracles. And you see it in the Bible. The multitudes come. Multitudes, multitudes, multitudes. There's thousands there to be fed. There's thousands there. They're following him everywhere. But as soon as he went to the cross, everybody was gone, including many of his own disciples. Back to fishing. You getting where I'm going here? This isn't about feelings. Serving God is not about feelings. The people who have made it in this place for a long time, 30, 40, 50, 60 years, is because they have faith over their feelings. Back to the verse there. Let's finish up this part. So he says, You're, you get behind me, Satan. 
Now, he wasn't possessed by Satan. He was being oppressed by the spirit of Satan, and he was saying satanic things. He was against the things that God was trying to do. And he says, your mind is not in the right place. You're, you're, you're thinking like a man right now, not a spiritual person. Okay, so keep reading. And then when he had called the people, so then he would have these multitudes, and then he would go off with his disciples because he said, I, I've got to work on these men right here because these are the men that are going to change the world. And he says with himself to his disciples, here's the key. This isn't that attractive, but here's God's call. Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself. I believe tonight in this message, some of you are having the light bulb come on through this series of what it really means to carry your cross. Because carrying your cross is not fun. And never did Jesus say it would be. Never. No, they're, they're, you, don't, you don't have the feelings. They're not there. They're, it doesn't talk about it. Because we're not supposed to base our walk on feelings. And so he says, whoever, and that's us, desires to come after me, let him deny himself. That means let him get over their feelings and take up their cross. That is humbling yourself and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. Let's finish right here. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. How many know being ashamed is a feeling? It's a feeling. It's embarrassing. We need to get beyond our feelings and stand up for Jesus. More than ever, tell that person next to you, more than ever. And the opportunity is going to come. The days we're living in, the opportunity is going to come to stand up for Jesus or deny him. That's why we have to be bold. I think the verse I'm sending out tomorrow is being bold as a lion. We've got to be bold. The world's bold. My dad sent me a picture of the whole movement that's going on right now, and it's, it's a picture of that movement with a trombone. And the big old part of the trombone is in our fate, in our, over our head as Christians. That's what it looks like today. I see it's more, it's more than in your face. It's over your head. And it's like we can't even move. It's just everywhere. But we need to push off the restraints and get out of our feelings and start telling people that Jesus can change their lives. It's not about how we feel. It's about what Jesus did on the cross for our sins. And for everybody that turns to the name of Jesus. Amen? Let me close with this. So I've got a couple of thoughts I had as I'm closing. The last set of verses here. I've said this before. Write this quote down if you're taking notes. Humility is not, because a lot of times when we think of humility, we think of um, uh, 
not having any self-confidence. That's not what it means. Humility is not thinking of less, thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. It's putting somebody else before you, and in our case, every day, putting Jesus before our feelings. That's why we say it, and sometimes the things you might hear in the church that we say can become cliche, but there's a reason why we say it. That's why we say, I get to serve. I get to come to church. I get to go to the prayer room. I get to be an usher. I get to go on outreach. Because all of these things are a privilege to us. And there's many times we don't feel like doing it, but we do it because we are privileged to have the opportunity to do something that is picking up my cross for Jesus. Amen? And so, humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. Taking up your cross has nothing to do with feelings. Listen, it's a duty, it's a call, it's a covenant with God. How many realize that although it's not portrayed the right way in church a lot of times, when salvation happens and a prayer is done, it, that the fact is, is you don't just get this, this, this ticket home and you you're, go to heaven. It's a walk. It's a crawl sometimes. It's a get on your, on your, on your face and you're just stretching your hands out to move sometimes. But all for the sake of of the call of Jesus. Does anybody learn in here tonight that it takes discipline and decisiveness and grit and commitment to serve Jesus? Can I say those words again? Discipline, decisiveness, grit, and commitment. You're not committed to me tonight in this church. You're not committed to Victory World Outreach. This is just the place God has allowed you to serve. You're committed to Jesus. Everything we do is unto Jesus. Don't forget that. Don't forget who we're doing it for. Hebrews 11. It's called the faith chapter. Most people read in the beginning. I'm going to read at the end tonight to finish this series. Verse 32. If you haven't read this chapter, remember it starts off with, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Okay? And then it goes on to talk about without faith, it's impossible to please God. It goes on to talk about all these different heroes of the faith. This is called the Hall of Faith. What we would consider today the Hall of Fame. The Hall of Fame for the believers that came before us. And as you, as you get to the end of this chapter... He gets to, begins to close it up, and he says, and, and what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and the prophets. And he's just throwing off these different people who through, watch this, faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, 
out of weakness were made strong. Musicians, you can begin to come. Joelle, go back one verse, and as I begin to read this again, I want you to think, when was the last time you were in the mouths of lions? Probably not. Not, not to demise your problem. We have major problems. But have we been in the mouths of lions? Keep going. Have we had to quench the violence of fire like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Have we had a sword, a physical sword swung at us? I mean, these are things that they went through in the Bible. Out of weakness, we were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. That sounds like something that's coming. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured. Raise your hand in here if you've been tortured for your faith in Jesus. Physically tortured. I'm not talking about cyber, cyber bullying. Physically tortured. None of us. Not accepting deliverance that they might. Look at that. Not accepting deliverance. They were saying whether or not, see, Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, when they told the guy, he says, we're going to get in this fire. We believe God can get us out of this. But even if he doesn't, we're still getting in this fire because we're not going to bow. Do you think they felt really good about getting in the fire? No way. But something came over them that told them, this is real. This isn't religion. This isn't a check the box and go to church, go to a Bible study, say you're a Christian. This is the real deal. Amen? The real deal. And it says that they might obtain. See, we're looking for things on this earth. There's nothing wrong with having a good job and a business and a nice house and all those things. Again, as long as they don't have you. But have you, have you stopped and thought lately there's something better waiting for us? That all the little things we're going through on this earth can't compare to the glory that's waiting for us. To obtain a better resurrection. Now, I wouldn't want to go through the mouth of the lion's den. I wouldn't want to go in that fire. I wouldn't want to be hung upside down. But boy, their reward in heaven. The more you suffer here, the greater your reward in heaven. Not for salvation, but for reward. Let's finish here. Still, others had trial of mockings. Let me see your hand if you've been scourged in here for your faith. Anybody been scourged like Jesus? I didn't think so. Uh, anybody been in chains of imprisonment? Yeah, we've had people in here that have been in prison. But you put yourself there. Right? But I doubt anybody's been in here because of preaching the gospel. Right? Look at all these things. This is the real deal. This is real Christianity. It has nothing to do with feelings. And they were stoned. Anybody gotten stoned in here? They were sawn in two. Sawn in two. Were tempted. Were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world 
was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains, in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, having obtained a good testimony through feeling good. Through what? Faith. Did not receive the promise. They didn't see it. While they were alive, they did not see the promise. Anytime you see God do something amazing in this place, you should be like, man, what a miracle that I was able to see something this side of heaven. Something. Because God's grace is powerful. God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. Father, as I read these verses tonight, I humble myself. That, Lord, I have not been through anything. I have not faced real trial. And, God, I don't want my faith to be based tonight on fickle feelings. If Jesus asked me one day, who do you say that I am, Peter? And one day I said, oh, Jesus, you're my master. You're my Lord. You're my king. You're my everything. And then three weeks later he asked me again, and I said, oh, Jesus, you haven't done anything for me lately. I feel like you haven't answered my prayers. I feel like you've hurt my feelings. Church, don't base your faith tonight on how you feel. Base your faith tonight on what Jesus did on the cross for you and for humanity. Tonight, Father, we pray that we will never have to be rebuked by you. And, and hear the words, get behind me, Satan. God, I don't want the devil to use me. I want you to use me. I want to be a voice for you. I want to be an example for you. God, help me, no matter what I go through, no matter what I face, to keep my faith and stay strong for you, Jesus. Lord, tonight is it's quiet in here. It's somber in here because we're thinking tonight about, Lord, how, how strong is our faith really? And Lord, as we examine ourselves and test ourselves, help us tonight to understand that true victory comes when our faith is not based on our circumstances or what we feel or what we see or what we hear, but what your word says. Your word is a light unto my path, a lamp unto my feet. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed all across this place, the Holy Spirit is speaking to us, challenging us, telling us that, that we can overcome our feelings, that it's not about what we feel but about what God's word says, and God is strengthening his church tonight. So that we can be the church that when Jesus comes, he does find faith on this earth in us. And we can declare greater is he that is in us than the devil that's in this world. Lord God, I want to hear the words enter in, good and faithful servant. And Father, if I have to be rebuked by you before that happens, then rebuke me. Tell me what I need to hear, not what I want to hear, Father. Show me in my life what needs to change so that I can be a soldier for the kingdom of God.
as you're here and heads are bowed and eyes are closed, how many all over this place, if you were to pass into eternity tonight, stand before the God of the living and the dead, what would you say to God? How would you answer for your life? The Bible says that our righteousness and our goodness is filthy rags. We can't be good enough. We can't do enough good works. We can't give enough or go enough to church. We have to put our faith in what Jesus said. He who believes in me, though he were dead, he shall live. I am the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. No one comes unto the Father except through me. How many tonight could say, I've never put my faith in Jesus? Maybe you've based your salvation on your feelings. How you're doing with God depends on the hair that stood up or didn't, the song that was sang or wasn't, the money that's in the bank or is not. And tonight Jesus is telling you, I don't want you to live your life like that. I need you to believe in me because of who I am, not because of what I do. How many could say, that's me tonight, Pastor? Would you pray for me? I want Jesus to become the Lord and the master of my life. Just lift your hand all over this place and say, that's me. Tonight there may be some people watching online. I know this is a Wednesday night, but I I do know this. I know that every single one of us, including myself, can say, Lord, I don't bear my cross like I should. I don't pick up my cross like I should. I make excuses too many times. My faith is overcome too many times by how I feel. Shame on me, Lord, for saying sometimes the things I say. Shame on me for murmuring and complaining, Lord, when I should count it all joy, the Bible says, when sufferings abound. I told someone tonight, and it might sound crazy, but it's the truth, that got in an accident. I said, thank God you had a car to get in an accident with. That's weird thinking, isn't it? Some people would love to have a car to get into an accident. That's not to minimize their situation. That's to understand God's bigger. God's bigger. In America, we complain too much. We get in our feelings too much. We put it on Facebook too much. We put it on social media too much. Let's be strong tonight. Let's get over our feelings. Let's become the warriors that Jesus needs us to be in these last days that will not fall for anything but will stand strong whether I feel like it or not. As you stand all over this place, there's a mighty presence of the Lord tonight. There's a powerful presence of the Lord in this place tonight because he's, he's pricking our hearts. He's challenging us to stop whining and complaining and murmuring and think and realize what I've gone through is nothing, nothing compared to what we just read in the book of Hebrews. I've told you before, when you think you're going through something, go read the book of Job. When you think you're going through a struggle, go read Hebrews 11. None of us have been stoned. None of us have been scourged. None of those things have happened to us. Let's get over ourselves. Amen? we got some people out there that need to know Jesus. And they need to see in us that we're not complaining and running and getting in our feet. They need to see a solid 
truth and belief. They need to see someone that they can count on that's not going to go left or right because of the situation. They're going to stand their ground. How many want to be those kind of people tonight? Before you come, because I did this Sunday and forgot, we're going to say the sinner's prayer. This is very important to me because I don't want the podcast to get cut off without somebody right now could be watching and saying, I want Jesus. How many believe there could be someone on the other side of that live stream right now that needs to be saved? Amen. Amen. I say it all the time. You haven't met Sydney. There she is. Sydney, raise your hand. She got saved on our live stream in Alaska. There's There's a Sydney right now watching this or listening on the podcast or maybe in six months. And they need Jesus. So we're all going to say this prayer together. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I fall short of your glory. And the Bible says the wages of my sin are death. But Jesus, you also said in your word, the gift of God is eternal life. I admit that I'm a sinner and I need forgiveness. Jesus, please forgive me. Please wash me clean of all of my sins. I repent and I turn away from the person that I have been. And I want to become tonight the person you've called me to be. Jesus, please write my name in the Lamb's book of life. And from this day forward, I'm going to serve you. I decide to live for you. I love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening. If you want to hear more messages, please subscribe to our podcast channel. And if you like it, consider rating it and sharing it with your friends. For more content from VWO Denton, go to our website at vwotexas.com.